What's up, Fantasy Football Nation? You're here with your co-hosts, Caden Moore and Scotty Stroud. What's up, guys? Glad to be here on another beautiful day doing a, a podcast with Fantasy Football Nation. Yeah, you know we love having you. Love being here, buddy. All right. Wherever you're listening, thank you. However you're listening, thank you. This is our second podcast, and we couldn't be more than glad that you're here. If you're listening via streaming service, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Breaker, Google Pod, Anchor, we love having you. And you should follow us on Twitter at FFNation100, Fantasy Football Nation. It turns out actually half of you are from Ireland. That's right. We're not just Fantasy Football Nation. We're Fantasy Football Nation of all nations. So on this pod, we're going to be introducing a new segment. Scotty's here to break it down for you. Yeah, so what we're going to be doing is hand-selecting some of our favorite songs to put into our podcast as the intro and the outro. Uh, today's selection was Sinister Kid by the Black Keys. That's from their brother's album, and you can find that on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, or just get a hard copy from the Black Keys website. Support them. If you don't know who the Black Keys are, now's a good time to learn because they're a great band. Mm-hmm. And if you like the song, stick around till the end of the podcast and check it out. Speaking of podcasts, today we're going to be discussing our top 10 rookie rankings. So hopefully by the end of this thing, you guys will have learned a new song and information that will help lead you to a fantasy football championship. The real shit. Real deal, baby. Yeah. So before we start off this podcast, we have a giveaway. That's right. On Twitter this week, we posted that if you retweeted and followed us, you entered a chance to win an 8x10 signed DeAndre Swift photo. This week's winner goes to Victoria Stubbs. Congratulations, Victoria. I know your husband entered. I know one of your guys' friends entered. Turns out that it wasn't too hard to win because we're still slept on, but you are the winner. Congratulations. All right, you guys, stick with us. We're going to get into some good information. Fantasy Football Nation. Yeah. Your mother's word. you guys this is going to be an interesting breakdown so the way this is going to go is i'm going to list my first scotty's going to list his first we'll have a good discussion about it where we might have them later where we might think that they fit in fantasy value and then we'll give you what's considered like an average we took about 15 different uh, analysts took their rookie rankings and averaged where these guys are located themselves so that way you don't just have to assume that we know, but everyone else knows. All right, let's kick it on off. Caden's very first pick with the rookie rankings, number one overall is CEH, Clyde Edward Hilaire. Big surprise. Scotty, who do you have? Same guy. Clyde, Clyde. Edward Hilaire. Clyde. I mean, is he the best running back to go in this draft? No. No. Not even close. Is he the best fit? We'll talk about scheme fits later. Scheme fits mean a lot for people and what their fantasy values look like. Scheme fits mean points. Um, do you want to start off with your breakdown, Scotty? Yeah, so Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he was a one-year starter at LSU, which is kind of uncommon when you see, you know, typically in the draft, it's very unlikely that a one-year starter goes in the first round, especially the first running back taken, but... But uh, Clyde went, and the reason he went is because Patrick Mahomes hand-selected him. I mean, Um, Patrick Mahomes, if you look at Damian Williams, 
If you look at Kareem Hunt, there's a reason that Patrick Mahomes was looking for a passing down yep. back. And I think specifically what they targeted was high football IQ because that is what Clyde brings to the table. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. You know, he's not the biggest, um, but he is. He's one of the smartest backs. Um, and not only is he has his football IQ way up there, um, he has the intangibles, one of them being his contact balance. He's elusive. He actually, he broke 70 tackles on 214 carries last year and gained 782 of his 419 rushing yards after contact. Yeah, Scotty, I feel you. So he broke 70 tackles. That led all running backs that went into mm-hmm. the draft. That includes Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, there's some guys who are elusive and strong and have a lot of yaks, yards after you know contacts. To break 70 tackles in a season is pretty phenomenal. Yep. I mean, Chris Carson is leading broken tackles, yep. and he doesn't lead like that. Yep. And he's not just doing it on the ground. Doing it when he catches the ball, too, because he ranks seventh in the nation in broken tackles after the catch on only 55 receptions. That's doing work. He had 55 receptions on 66 receiving targets. That's 83.3% true catcher rating. Mm-hmm. To be fair, you'll see that's a stat that – good receivers will have true catcher rating is how many catches you have on catchable balls yep and a a lot of his catches in last year with lsu was him being smart joe burrow referred to clyde as his safety net which means when the play broke down joe burrow had to roll out of the pocket he always knew where where he was going to be he was either going to be sitting out in the flat or was he going to be running down the line of scrimmage because if shit hit the fan the play was breaking down Joe Burrow could get that ball to him and look how many tackles he breaks. You know, he gets that, maybe gets it at the line of scrimmage. He's going to get you one, two, one or two yards. He might make that a first down because he's that elusive when he gets the ball. So that's what, that's what I think led the, the uh, chiefs to picking him is because I mean, shit, how often is the play going to break down for the chiefs where, <laughs> where nobody's covered or everybody's covered downfield. That's where they got him. So when that actually does happen and their receivers aren't open, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be running out where he's open and Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball off to him. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, all good quarterbacks know what a check down route is or what your check down back is. Um, everyone always makes fun of Tom Brady for always throwing the check down route and he's the goat. It works. So it works. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Um, Scotty brought up a good point there. The fact of the matter is, is the guy knows where he's at on the field. Mm-hmm. And when Joe, when he says Joe Burrow like has him as a safety net, it's because he's one of those guys who's gonna like make or break that first down. Okay, twenty five of his catches went for first downs in two thousand nineteen. That led all running backs in the FBS. <laughs> no other running back was catching for first downs like Ceh was. That's pretty hot mm-hmm. take if it's a third down and you have to check it. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to take a check down route when you're on third and medium, third and long. If you know that he's got a good shot at reaching that first, it's a little bit more comfortable of a throw for you at quarterback. I mean, Jones drew, it was really high on this guy. You know, he was calling him the game's versatile runner. You know, he's got great contact, balance, good vision, and is elusive with the ball in his hands. In fact, 36% of his carries were for first downs or touchdowns in 2019. As a pass catcher, Edward Solaire has soft hands and can pick up the blitz. His array of ability allows him to be a day one starter in the system. Jones Drew said that. If you know who he is, you love football enough. Yep. So that's a lot to say about a you know a guy coming out of the first round, one year starter. Yeah, 
And you want to get a little glimpse of uh, what he could be looking at with the Chiefs this season. Let's go back a couple years to uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Kareem Hunt went off for the Chiefs. And you want to see something, something cool is I went and I, I looked up Kareem Hunt's best college season, which was in 2016 with Toledo, and compared it to Clyde's 2019 season at LSU. All right, listen to this. So Kareem had 262 carries. Clyde had 215. Kareem Hunt had 1,475 rushing yards. Clyde had 1,414 rushing yards. Kareem Hunt had 10 touchdowns. Clyde had 16. Kareem averaged 5.6 yards per carry. Clyde averaged 6.6 yards per carry. Uh, Kareem had 41 receptions. Clyde had 55 receptions. Kareem had 403 receiving yards. Clyde had 453, and they each had a touchdown. That That's pretty similar stuff. I see. Yeah, they're tracking very similar. Yep. I, I get what you're saying there. You know, what's kind of interesting is because the Kareem Hunt left, like that backfield's kind of been open. Yep. I mean, I know they have a starter in Damian Williams, but he missed six total games last year. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, but out of a 16-game season – you can't just show up in the Super Bowl. No. That's not what takes you to the playoffs. You have to have sure bets. CEH seems to be the guy, and he mm-hmm. seems like he could be a future bell cow. I'm not sure if the Chiefs will ever run a bell cow. It doesn't seem like him. But if you're in a PPR league, you're in a dynasty league, he's going to be higher on your radar. Yep. He has to be. So any part of the Chiefs offense has got to be on your radar. Yep. And you talk about bell cows with uh, Andy Reid. They are limited and few. In fact, there's only two. There's only two bell cows he's really ever had. And they're really the only two running backs he ever pulled on in the draft. Uh, one of them obviously being Kareem Hunt. His rookie season, he had 325 carries, 1,782 scrimmage yards, and 11 touchdowns. Okay. Before he had Kareem Hunt, he had Deshaun McCoy. Well, he he had Brian Westbrook before that. Brian Westbrook had some good seasons, but he really tapered off there at the end. Okay, talking bad about Brian. I'm not talking bad about Brian. Brian Westbrook was a G. I'm just saying he started. Did he not start off a little slow in the NFL? He didn't his first two three years. He didn't have great production, and then all of a sudden shit hit the fan when Andy Reid discovered who he was—a beast. And then he had those few really good seasons, and then there toward the end. When they drafted LeSean McCoy, I think that season, I don't think Brian Westbrook had great stats, LeSean McCoy's rookie season. You can, you can double check for me, but so, but LeSean McCoy's, I'm not, I'm not uh, going to say LeSean McCoy's rookie season because he's, he split carries with Brian Westbrook, Leonard Weaver, Donovan McNabb, Mike Vick was on that team. And believe it or not, Deshaun Jackson took a lot of carries, but I'm going to go to LeSean McCoy's sophomore season where he had 285 touches, 1,672 yards and nine touchdowns. So those, that's just kind of an idea of what Andy Reid does with backs he invests in, and he, he does quite a bit. So, Yeah, I mean, Brian Westbrook was the transfer to Shady McCoy. Shady McCoy gives him a lot of uh, acknowledgement for that, loves Brian Westbrook. You obviously should. We were going to throw down the Brian Westbrook comparison to Clyde's. It's hilarious since they're both receiving backs. Brian's at 5'8", Clyde's at 5'7", Clyde weighs 207, Brian weighs 200. But then we saw the quote. I get this message on Friday morning that Andy Reid said that this kid hasn't played it down the NFL is better than me already. It took me years to perfect my game, and it took me years to be better at my craft. And this young kid hasn't played it down the NFL is better than me? 
it's baffling. Brian, you're right. I'm sorry we were going to go there. In three years, we'll make the comparison. Yeah. I mean, Brian was, was a G, but I, he did take him a little bit to get going in Andy Reid's offense. And then, obviously, we all know what Brian Westbrook did for there. But, uh, yeah, that's about all I got on Clyde. What, what do you got there, buddy? Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll cut this off on CAH. So, in his average position on rank, he was at 2.5. The only other person that was higher than him was Taylor at 2.3. Um, the only reason that he's not the unanimous number one in the averages is that Sports uh, Illustrated didn't even have him ranked. Um, that's their mistake, <laughs> not everybody else's. So CEH, unanimous number one. Um, we'll get moving on to our number twos. All right, my number two is Jonathan Taylor. Scotty, who do you got? Yeah, it's Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it's got to be Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I know he ran behind that Wisconsin line. <laughs> I don't care. Because he's going um, to Yeah, you're, you're, once again, if you're thinking, like, maybe not as much of PPR since it looks like they might have a one-two punch, but Dynasty Leagues, standard, he's going to get around that 300 carry mark. Um, they almost ran for 500 carries last year. Scotty had a better breakdown of that than I did, and I'll let him talk about it. Yeah, so, I mean, Indianapolis ran the ball 471 times last year, but here's yeah. the gap. Marlon Mack led the team with 257 carries. Second place was Jacoby Brissett with 56. So you're talking about 100 and, around 150, 160 Are carries. Are you telling me that Philip Rivers is going to get 60 carries this year? Uh, he might fall down in the middle <laughs> of a play 60 times. I don't see him running the ball at all. I see him handing that rock to Jonathan Taylor yeah. and Marlon Mack. He's the drug mule. That's where the rock is going. And let me kind of get into a little bit of what Indianapolis did this offseason. So first off, with this Jonathan Taylor pick, they traded up three spots in the early second round to get their guy. Um, and they did that because I think they're going to lean a little more toward the, the run game. The reason for that is they bring in Phillip Rivers, who he's a great veteran quarterback. He's been doing it in the league for a long time. He can command an offense. He can move the ball. One thing he can't do is bring your team back late in the game through the air. He has not been able to do it. He can get you there, but he can't. He has trouble capitalizing and winning those games. So I think what they did here is they're going to wreak havoc on the ground. They have a good young offensive line. They have, I mean, they have Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. Whether you like Marlon Mack or not, he was the 22nd ranked fantasy back last year. Um, with him, though, it's just a matter of can he stay healthy? And uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the Marlon Mack thing is always prevalent. He's a good back. Uh, two years ago, if you had him in fantasy in those last eight-game stretch, you reap the rewards. Mate, I won. I won a chip for yeah. Marlon Mack. Yep. Mm, yep. God, I can't hear that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know. So, but last year, Marlon Mack wasn't quite the same guy. He was injured for a lot. I know he finished 22. That's still pretty good, but you can't expect him to finish 22 with Jonathan Taylor on the field. I do like the Phillip Rivers comparison, though, Scotty, because – my pro comparison for Jonathan Taylor is Melvin Gordon. Nope. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Melvin Gordon with uh, Philip Rivers. We all know he's yep. you know he's a top ten back. So they both came into the NFL. Taylor's came in with a nine point one grade. Melvin came in with an eighty nine point five. So ninety one point one, eighty nine point five, less than two points away from each other. Their last two seasons in college, Melvin Gordon had five hundred sixty nine touches. 5,359 yards, 7.7 yards per touch, and 44 touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, 627 touches, 
4,509 yards. So 4,509 compared to Gordon's 4,359, 7.2 yards per touch compared to Melvin's 7.7 yards per touch, 42 touchdowns compared to 44. Those are pretty linear going to kind of similar style teams. I think you could see like Taylor's transition to the NFL very similar to Gordon's. Yeah. And obviously Taylor doesn't have the skills that Gordon has in the, in the, you know, the receiving game doesn't have, you know, no skills there. And actually Wisconsin found that out because his first two seasons, you know, he's running the shit out of the ball. He had, what was it? 16 combined receptions and 150 yards, no touchdowns his first two seasons through the air. Yes. And all of a sudden Wisconsin sees that this guy might be a little better than they think at the receiving game. So they give him, Give him 26 receptions, which he turned into 250 yards and five touchdowns. That's an average of 9.7 yards per catch, which is almost a first down every time you pass him the ball. And on 20% of those catches were touchdowns. So he's not as bad as people think in the passing game. Yeah, so uh, Roto Heat actually ranked his hand 6.9, which, I mean, a 7 out of 10 for a running back is just fine. The only thing they had was he kind of bobbles outside of his frame. Um, you'll get better quarterbacks in the NFL who make better throws. Um, maybe some of those outlandish passes won't be caught. That's fine. Yeah. He's a running back. To, let's uh, go back to that Marlon Mack kind of a one-two punch here. So Marlon Mack is uh, obviously a really good back, but he missed a lot of time due to injuries last year. Mm-hmm. And actually in weeks 11 through 12, Jonathan Williams, the backup running back, averaged 110 rushing games or rushing yards per game. So you're saying when Marlon Mack was hurt, they fed this man? I'm saying with uh, without Marlon Mack, the backup was averaging above 100-yard rushing games oh, so he was in the eating. NFL. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, and not only that, but despite Marlon Mack being there, Jonathan Taylor has the fourth highest odds in Vegas on being rookie of the year. Yeah, I see that. So Vegas is saying even if Marlon Mack is there, this guy's going to get it done enough to be right in the race for rookie of the year. And if Marlon Max is out and Jonathan Taylor is a better backup, what's better than 110 yards a game? Yep. So th- that's a good upside right there, especially for Dynasty. Yep. I, I, it was hard for me to rank Clyde above Jonathan Taylor because when you put the two backs together, Jonathan Taylor eclipses him like tremendously. He's a great running back. I mean, it's hard to say, but he's, if not in, at least coming close to his prime. He's coming off a 6,000-yard, 50-touchdown career at Wisconsin on almost – it was 930 carries or something like that, 927. And, and they brought in Rivers. So they're, they're plan. they think they can win right now. And what's going to happen is once Jonathan Taylor starts to eat a little bit, they know that he already has 1,000 – almost 1,000 career carries in college, and he's a running back. They don't know how long how long he's going to last, so they are going to utilize the shit out of Jonathan Taylor this year. He's going to get – tremendous goal line touches and if something does happen to Marlon Mack which most likely will if he gets hurt he's out of the question you're looking at a big season with John Taylor behind yeah, that 300 in, plus carries behind that line that's Pape machinery right there the, those offensive linemen those are big mean boys so that's going to be fun to see we're going to kind of uh, wrap up Jonathan Taylor here I just want to remind everybody that he reached the 5,000-yard career mark in college faster than any other college running back in history, that he had two back-to-back 2,000 rushing yard seasons. He outrushed Herschel Walker. He's going to transition well. He's a high workhorse back. 
If Marlon Mack proves that he can't be there, you can see and guarantee 300 plus touches for Jonathan Taylor out of the line or out of the Colts backfield. So, all right, his average amongst all analysts was at 2.3. He was in everybody's rankings. This is why he's 0.2 ahead of Ceh. Obviously, we still think Ceh is unanimous number one, but unanimous number two, Taylor. Mm-hmm. That's across everybody. Um, you can pipe that down, put it in pen. All right, we're on to our next ones. All right, so my third overall, Jerry Judy. Well, we have so much in common. Yeah, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. Yeah, so my uh, NFL comparison for Jerry Judy is going to be, you know, Santanio Holmes. Ooh. Yeah, so Santanio Holmes is 5'11", 192. Jerry Judy's 197, 6'1". So let's put it this way. In 2019, with 79 receptions, Centennial Holmes had 1,248 yards, 15.8 yards per catch, five TDs, and he ran a 40 of 4.38. Jerry Judy had 68 receptions in 2018 for 1,315 yards, 19.3 yards per catch, and 14 TDs, but his 40 was a 4.43. Uh, another guy I want to throw into the mix just a little bit here is going to be Calvin Ridley, standing at six foot <laughs> 190. He's a senior before the draft. He had 63 receptions for 967 yards, 15.3 yards per carry, five TDs in one last game. Um, I'm comparing these guys for their size and athletic ability alongside Jerry Judy, but Jerry Judy also had higher stats, mm-hmm. higher TDs. Maybe just a little bit slower of a 40, but that shouldn't say anything with those kind of stats. I, I, I love those comparisons. My comparisons are a little bit different. I didn't go off of stats. I went off of uh, the best route runners that we've seen in the draft previous years. And and Calvin Ridley and Holmes were both both players who were great route runners coming out of college. Calvin Ridley still is. I also had you know, like Amari Cooper and OBJ. I'm not saying he's like them. I'm just saying one thing about them when they were coming into the – in through the draft was the route running is what stood out. Yeah, I mean, you're on Madden. Like, yep. Amari Cooper's quote is about his route running. It so is. I see what you're talking. <laughs> and that's – I'm sorry, but that, that's what Jerry Judy brings brings to the to the Broncos. He is in a, he's an elite route runner, and it's not necessarily in terms of just his overall route running. It's also the, the fundamentals of his route running. Everything he does is so crisp and so clean, and he's just able to create separation because he does everything perfectly. I mean, the way that he can stop and cut in a dime mid-route, like, it's absolutely fascinating to me. He does everything that you're supposed to do as a wide receiver. When he's selling a route, he drops his chin to his knees and he bursts in the other direction, which is also really healthy for his knees. So that's one thing. You know, he doesn't throw all of his weight into his knees like that and, and jump around like a lot of wide receivers do, which is good for his health and longevity. Longevity, absolutely. And, I mean, you watch the dude on, on tape and he, he's a rabbit. Did you ever chased a rabbit around a field? You have no idea where they're going. And that's what it's going to be like trying to track down Jerry Judy in the NFL. I think Jerry Judy with his route running and his athletic frame is NFL ready. I think that he'll make that transition pretty easy to give you just a couple stat breakdowns to let you know how easy he transitioned into college. He won MVP of Alabama spring game before he'd ever played an official game. Okay. In a spring game, he had five catches for 134 yards and two touchdowns. He made a career of that. Okay. Next year, just sophomore coming in, you know, a little bit of no, you know, not new sheriff on the campus, but still pretty young. He got the blink, uh, the Bill and Nickoff award for the best wide receiver. 
He was a, a first-team All-American and first-team All-SEC. So it took him one year to be the team's MVP. It took him two years to be the nation's MVP. Yeah. No time at all. He also is able to match those big games in that high intensity. In Clemson, he had 139 yards and a touchdown in the national championship. He also has crazy stats when they have three wide receivers that were going to go in the first round. You got to think about that. When he comes to a Cortland Sutton, a Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon's going to be receiving out of the backfield. One of the reasons I think we both have him so high is he can accept a workload regardless of who else is on the field. He has a chance to earn wide receiver one on this team if Absolutely. he really works hard for it. His upside is being a wide receiver one for a team that's got a bunch of passing options and is going to throw the ball. You can guarantee they'll trust Drew Locke this year. They'll be more throwing. He, you're saying though is he made a career out of having huge games i mean i'm just gonna name just just a couple here he had a game against michigan where he had it's six receptions for 204 yards and a, and a touchdown that's 34.0 yards per catch yeah he meets those big games those high <laughs> intensities that what next a, level of play what about uh 2018 against missouri Three receptions, 147 yards and a touchdown. That's three receptions? That's 49 yards per catch. Does anybody remember the stat where it's three receptions, 197 yards, three touchdowns, Who Randy Moss? Oh, Randy Moss. That's oh, right. Okay. okay. Hit me no, with some facts. Even, All right. I'm going there. The, obviously, when we're talking about Jerry Judy, though, the Broncos have a solid team. The biggest question here is Drew Locke. Can Drew Locke capitalize with these weapons? That's – if he can get the ball to his receivers, I mean, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, they can both have pretty good seasons, but we, we don't know enough about Drew Locke. This is, I think this is his, his year to prove what he can yeah, do. Yeah, I'm also only a little bit concerned about catches over the middle. So Jerry Judy has been known to be one of those type of receivers that's going to look to get upfield versus secure the ball. So those quick twitch inside slants, those five yards in, those aren't his favorable routes. I could see if they're going to try and be have Cortland Sutton be the wide receiver one, that Jerry Judy could hop inside and outside. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to master that slot just as well. Um, I need to see that transition happen. He's playing in the AFC West, which we got the Chargers, we got the Chiefs, and we got the Raiders. Okay. He's going to have big games against the Raiders because the Raiders haven't had a secondary. And when did Charles Woods I mean, retire? they signed uh, the Bears corner, right? Uh, Prince. Prince of Makamura? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. No, I mean, yeah, so he's no, he's a great veteran cornerback to have, but that's all they did. That's not like I'd uh, love to see the the, the grade on that. <laughs> I'd really love because he did he did great for the Bears. I'm just saying that the Raiders in general, when you have Denver's offense coming to town, whatever city they're playing in this year, I don't know where where are they at now. Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Oakland, Mexico. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but. They do got to play the Chargers, who have Casey Hayward, Desmond King, Chris Harris, and Derwin James. But 10 interceptions last year. So that'll be some tough, two tough matchups for him on the year. But besides that, he's he's in a pretty good spot for fantasy. Yeah, obviously he's going to be higher inside keeper leagues. He's going to be higher inside dynasty leagues. Yep. In dynasty, he should be your first wide receiver off the board. Should. Yep. Yeah, I'm not lying to you. I know people are going to jump C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb's got a lot more competition. Yep. Bing. All right, we're going to wrap this up right here for our boy Judy. Uh, in analyst average, he's at 4.33. Um, he's actually the next highest up. We're going to put him at number three overall unanimous, Jerry Judy. All right, our next pick. Caden at number four has DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Who do you got? 
I uh, have Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm a Keyshawn Vaughn truther. All right, why don't you sell me on Keyshawn Vaughn before we get into this? AKA Baby Kimbo Slice. Oh my god. You ever look at that dude without a hard, without a, his helmet on, dude? He looks he looks like a freak. Oh uh, no, he's he's a ferocious running back. Um, he comes from Vanderbilt, which is that's, that was not a great team. They struggled pretty heavily throughout his career. But he's just a hard runner, man. He's focused. He's mean. He ain't afraid of nobody. He's got that dog mentality. I mean, he will throw, even in in, uh, pass protection, man, he's not the biggest back, but he will throw everything he has at Blitzers just to give his quarterback an opportunity. I mean, he did have to run pretty hard because he wasn't running behind a great line. Yeah, not even. Let's be be really irrandible. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, man. So he did have highlights and stats above where his grade should have been. And then what I like to look at when you're looking at running backs who come from bad teams – um, look at their matchups against good teams. And one matchup I could not help but but uh, watch this offseason was uh, week three last year against the LSU Tigers. He did not crum- crumble under the pressure of Patrick Queen and company. That was a mean defense. That was a bad defense that won a national championship. Well, in that game, he had 20 carries, 130 yards, and two touchdowns, and averaged 6.6 yards per carry against LSU, dude. And not only did he, I mean, he had, it, was a, it was a fun game to watch because he just hit. He hit him in the mouth with everything he had, every play. He did not want to go down. It was electric to watch. But he, he capped it off with a highlight goal run where he busts up the middle, he, he spins, he jukes, and he collides with Patrick Queen into the, into the end zone. And it was, that's what you want to see. And he's going to Tampa Bay. He's going to have Tom Brady. And I'm, I'm sorry, I know maybe a lot of people are high on Ronald Jones. I mean, he's not a horrible back, but he I mean, he split carries with Peyton Barber last year. He was horrible. I, I think Ronald Jones is okay, but I think in the end, Keyshawn Vaughn is the more electric player. He's their big play guy. So I could see him getting a lot of carries there. Yeah. Um, I see where people have him high. If you've watched Tom Brady over the last <laughs> – how long has Tom Brady been playing now since the fucking 80s? I don't know. Somewhere like that. So he's had James White. He's had Deion Lewis. He's always had a pass option like running back that he's willing to throw the ball to. So maybe Keyshawn Vaughn is that next guy up. But they've always had a workhorse back too. Um, I'm afraid that Ronald Jones and – I'm going to butcher this name – Dare – Ongbo Wall, hey? <laughs> he kind of shined in the last couple of weeks last year. I think that there's too much to fight with there. I think that just being maybe a third down back isn't enough. Maybe if you're in a dynasty league or a keeper league that you might be trying to, uh, you know, see what his longevity is. I think Ronald Jones will see a good amount of touches in some games this year. Yep. I think they have some more secure there. I don't feel you, Scotty. No. I mean – he had 2,000 career yards after contact, which was half of his total yards. About 4,000 total scrimmage yards. Well, 2,000 of them were after getting hit. He's just hard to bring down, man. I think that's really what, what the what the Buccaneers need. Um, he had he just had a lot of big games, man. He's a tough dude. He had a game against in the uh, Texas Bowl against Baylor in 2018. 243 rushing yards on 13 carries. It's 18.7 yards per carry and two touchdowns. Yeah, so I'm just going to leave it with, if you're going to draft Vaughn, handcuff him with Jones or vice versa. If you're going to draft Jones, just handcuff him with Vaughn. 
it's the Tampa Bay offense. This is going to be one of the most electric offenses in the, in the NFL, and it, it wouldn't hurt to have both of them. Yeah, you're going to get you, them and also, if you think or you know or your team is planning on playing the playoffs or playing through the playoffs, uh, this guy's going to be there. The Tampa Bay is in it for the long haul. You can see him going deep into the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl. If you want players who are going to be there and you're going to be seeing points there inside your leagues, yeah. that's another good pickup. I see you there. Well, and they're they're both value picks because you're gonna you're gonna get them pretty late in drafts. Both of them are going to be available, so they're they're worth having. All right, we'll get over to the real pick here. At uh, <laughs> yeah, at number four, DeAndre uh, Swift. Um, I had my NFL comparison to Josh Jacobs. One's five ten, two sixteen. One's five eight, two twelve. So Jacobs had 120 carries this senior year. DeAndre Swift had 196. Uh, one had 5.3 yards per carry. Uh, Swift had 6.2 yards per carry. Jacobs had 11 TDs. DeAndre Swift had seven TDs. They were both 20-plus catches with one touchdown for Swift and three touchdowns for uh, Jacobs. Jacobs ran a 4.52 um, Swift ran a 4.48. Swift had a prospect grade of 6.78. Uh, Josh Jacobs had a grade of 6.7. I'm going to start this off by saying, why in the world is Oakland taking away Josh Jacobs' pass option? Because it's Oakland. I, I'm Las sorry. Vegas, Las Vegas. Las Vegas Raiders, sorry. He should be a pass catch option. He's a great catching running back, and by comparing him to DeAndre Swift, Swift must be a good catch running back. I'm pretty high on Swift because uh, – Carryon Johnson has made a glass. I've been high on Carryon, and everyone's given me shit for it, and it's well-deserved. I'm willing to say right now he averaged 4.5 yards per carry in his career, and he missed 14 games. Carryon Johnson might not hold a candle to Swift or be there to hold the candle. I have DeAndre Swift in my top 10 rankings at 9, mm. and that is before anybody freaks out and turns this off. Just listen. If we're talking dynasty – I'm taking him early. I'm taking him real early. Um, but as far as standard and PPR, I, I just don't – I think I can get better better options. Um, before I get into the negative, though, he is the best three-down back, I believe, in this draft. I think he's the most all-around complete running back. He has great pass protection. He has great receiving ability. He's a hard rusher. I mean, he believes it. Even his own quote, he says, he's the greatest back in this class. He can do it all. He's the most versatile back. I think I am not just a three-down back. I'll do whatever I'm asked to do. God gave me a lot of God-given ability, so I don't take that for granted. I work hard every day, and I'm the great leader. He's a, he's a dog, too. He played, He had a uh, SEC championship against LSU a couple years ago. He had a shoulder contusion. Uh, trainers told him to probably sit the game out. He said, no, nah, this is my, my last game with my boys this season. Uh, he came in. He didn't make a huge impact. Actually, he very he had very little uh, carries in that game, but he still showed up. He suited up with a shoulder contusion. He wasn't sitting out. The next game he played in the Sugar Bowl against Texas, same thing. Still hurt. He comes in. He has five receptions, 30 yards. Yeah, he missed 11 touchdown. games due to a shoulder injury. Yeah. Um, sounds like he's battled with that, but he's back on the positive side. Uh, yep. All the trainers have cleared him. Yep. So, And he played knowing he was going to be top pick in the draft he so what's it. your takeaway from swift so let's go to a quote here. yeah here it is um, why is he at nine so Loser. It, you can thank eric quinn the general manager of the detroit lions uh eric quinn said we, we are going to use multiple running backs we like carry on johnson we like ty johnson we like Bo. 
So we're going to put DeAndre in there. DeAndre's not going to carry the ball 35 times a game. We know that. We're going to use our backs. We're going to use all of them. That's why we drafted DeAndre. He's going to be a part of the package. Yeah, I get you. He's not going to carry 35 times. He's going to carry 26 and receive eight. <laughs> and they're going to use all yeah, the running backs to carry his equipment. No, no, no. Caden <laughs> just accidentally jumped into Dynasty. Yeah, he will in two or three years. He's going to get great work. So if it's Dynasty, draft him. Do not take the, the chance of losing him. He's going to be a phenomenal NFL running back, just not this year. Because uh, the Lions, have we addressed their line yet? Uh, I get you. They only kept one good offensive lineman. It wasn't even that good. Yeah. They didn't replace him. I don't know where they ranked, where their offensive line ranked last year, but I know it wasn't very good. All right. Well, we'll wrap up Swift here. I just had one last thing. He has three drops on 76 targets. That's 96% true catcher rating. That ranks inside the top receivers with CeeDee Lamb, with uh, Jerry Judy. Um, he averaged a school record of 6.56 yards. That beats out Herschel Walker, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Sonny Michelle. He did miss 11 games of shoulder injury. That might be something you look for in the future. Jones Drew made up a good point where he said Swift should have had plenty of tread left on the tires after averaging less than 150 carries with the Bulldogs. So... Not only is he explosive with that, he's got tread on the tires. I know he missed some games due to the shoulder injury. I just uh, – I don't think Carry John, uh, on Johnson is going to hold that candle. Um, he's missed 14 games in two seasons. That's almost a whole season. Uh, all right, let's get to the analysts. Analysts have him on average ranked at 5.8. Um, we're going to put him in at you know our overall number five. There is someone ahead of him. Um, we'll keep that spot open. Uh, we'll get on on to our next picks here. Okay, so at five, I have Cam Akers. Who do you got, Scotty? Well, I uh, CD Lamb. CD Lamb. That's where CD Lamb landed for me. Okay, um, I'll get through Cam Akers here because I have CD Lamb at six. That way, we can have a conversation. Yep, and I will. I will also All tell right. you where I got <laughs> Akers. So my NFL comparison was to Duke Johnson. They're very similar. So. They um, both had above 10 TDs total inside their season. Um, Cam Akers had 18. Duke Johnson had 13. Um, so Duke ran a 4.5. Cam Akers ran a 4.7. Um, they both had a vert of 35. Their arm length was only off by an eighth of an inch. One rushed for 1,652. Uh, the other rushed for 1,144. They both averaged above five yards per carry. One rush for 10 TDs, one rush for 14. They both received above 200 yards uh, in the receiving, and they both averaged above 7.4 yards per catch. I'm only high on Cam Akers because I'm not as high on Malcolm Brown and Harrison. Like, Henderson, I think, yeah, Henderson, sorry. Uh, you know what I'm saying is they tried to get Todd Gurley, and when they put those guys in at backups, they weren't much. Well, yeah, and that's exactly like people want to talk about, well, Henderson's a really good receiving back. He's going to get a lot of a lot of reps. Well, last year they drafted him in the third round in a really weak running back class. Um, they drafted him to play behind Gurley, Todd Gurley to back yeah. him up. They drafted Akers to replace him. And if you don't think that's the truth, uh, well, what if they drafted J.K. Dobbins? Would you start him over Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well the, the Rams drafted Akers with Dobbins still on the board. And to put it in perspective, we know the Rams' line isn't great, mm. but I think they also drafted him because Florida State's line wasn't great. 
even their general manager, Les Snead, said one of the things you really have to appreciate about him is they struggled a little bit in Florida. These last few years, like they had a not a stout up front O-line. He was the one of the better players. A lot of the ACC team matchups came in saying we need to stop that man. They've had a hard time stopping him. So you've got to appreciate someone who looks forward to enjoying and running into a lot of defenders. He's going to be running into a lot of defenders with the Rams. His line isn't amazing. So we'll see uh, if he can translate that into the NFL. Yeah, talk about him playing on a bad team. 80% of his yards on the ground came after contact. Yeah, he was meeting people at the line. 904 out of his almost 1,200 yards were after getting hit. So that just kind of speaks to the the playmaker that this guy is. And I think that alone fits McVay's Yeah, he averaged four yards after contact. If you're thinking about this transition as well, um, when he went into Florida State, he broke their season, like their single season rushing yard by a freshman. We all know who the person was who broke it before that, Dalvin Cook. And if Dalvin Cook didn't translate to the NFL, I don't know who did. I know Dalvin Cook was injured a lot of his rookie season, but if you looked at where his two start was in this last year, he's going the number fourth running back overall. So. I could see Akers translating. He can catch the ball. He's been used to hitting a line where the line's not great. Um, he's tough. And I think that they drafted the guy that they were looking to replace Gurley. You know, they aren't drafting him to, you know, sit behind any of those other two guys. So for Akers, uh, the analysts had him on average at 5.83. This puts him at number six overall. Um, I had him a little bit higher. Scotty, I'm a little bit lower. I guess it meets in the middle for the both of us. This works out. All right, let's get on to our next picks. Well, I guess my next pick, Scotty, same pick. Number six, CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, everyone's got to compare to DeAndre Hopkins. That's where we're going to start. They both averaged about 17 yards per catch. Their uh, their 40 was only off by a .7 of a second. The vertical only off by one inch. DeAndre Hopkins was one touchdown for every 4.55 receptions. CeeDee Lamb was one touchdown for every 4.33 receptions. Bucky Brooks is quoted calling him a DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins kind of player. Their general manager was calling him a DeAndre Hopkins kind of player. Mel Kipper was calling him a DeAndre Hopkins kind of player. That's a lot to speak for. That, that's a big shoes to fill. There's a reason he's high for me. Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking him high in Dynasty. But in, uh, if we're talking standard and PPR leagues, uh, the only really the only reason I'm drafting him is to uh, handcuff either Cooper or Gallup. Hopefully Cooper. <laughs> but I, I, don't think, I don't think the Cowboys are expecting him to come in and put on a show right off the bat. I think he's, he's coming into a really good team. Um, Gallup, Cooper, both – Really, especially Gallup last year, he showed a lot of promise. He had a lot of a lot of good games. Them alone, they're both really good wide. They're both really good wide receivers, and they also have one of the best run games. So I just feel like there, there's a lot of touches, a lot of touches to go. Um, I think Lamb, he's going to get some. Um, he's going to get quite a few. He's he's a playmaker. He's going to make plays. Is what he's going to do when he gets the ball. He's going to make plays for him. Um, I'm just not sure that volumes there this season. But like we're saying, dynasty, he's high because. Even next year, if you do handcuff him to Cooper or Gallup and one of them goes down, you're going to reap those rewards. He's, he's going to do good stuff for you. Um, I'm not too worried about the target share. So they ranked top in five in both rushing and passing last year. 
Um, I think that the loss of Jason Witten also frees up more of those target shares. Uh, CeeDee Lamb's also been proven to do it with another great wide receiver on the field. Him and Marquise both had a 1,000-yard season when they were there. That's a, the only time that's ever happened in Sooners' like, history. Uh, he has three drops on 88 targets for a 97% true catcher rating. He can play the inside. He can play the outside. I could see him having above 800 yards. If they bring him in just to like as an upgrade to Cooper, they're going to be limiting him. But I think they'll take advantage of him. And the fact that he'll be playing less and weaker pass like protection. When you're playing outside linebackers, D-end line, linebacker combos, free safeties, like a second, third dairy, like cornerbacks, um, you've got chances for sure. To see Lamb having somewhere close to like 900 to five, 900 yards, five TDs. He also knows where the line to beat is. He's got great field presence. Yeah, and what's also going to help with him getting those targets is they have the fifth easiest wide receiver schedule next year for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. So that's going to help all of them out all across the board. Dak for MVP. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't count that out, man. He's got he's got the weapons. He I'm, even had a. I'm calling it right now, Dak for MVP. Dak for MVP. I mean, I'm not. But not Dak for 30 plus mil, but Dak for MVP. Yeah, I'm probably going to stick with the better quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes or, or Jackson. That's probably where I'm going to put my money. But all right. Anyways. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap up C.D. Lamb here. Uh, just some last notes is uh, the last uh, wide receiver to be taken in the first round by the Dallas Cowboys was Des Bryant. Des was taken at 24th overall. C.D. Lamb was taken 17th. The other note is Amari Cooper has been known to play inside and out, slot and outside. C.D. Lamb can play inside and out. If you're a defense and you're trying to plan on coming in and guessing where Michael Gallup is, CeeDee Lamb, or Amari Cooper, you're going to be fucked up. Trying to make a scheme to fit this is going to be hard. People are going to eat on that offense. There's going to be a lot of shares to be had. I want a part of the Dallas offense just as I would the Bucks or the Chiefs. Nope. So unanimously, analysts had him over at 4.33. It's tied with Judy. We had Judy higher, which made Judy number three. This means that Judy or CD Lamb is our number four overall. We have CEH at one, Jonathan Taylor at two, Jerry Judy at three, CD at four, Swift at five, and Akers at six. All right, let's see who we both got next. At number seven, I have Henry Ruggs. Yeah, number seven is where I have Cam Akers, but uh, I have I got Rugs a little bit lower in my list. I have him at eleven. Eleven. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I'm starting to climb the Brian Edwards trade. This is a soft seven for me. I won't lie to you. I am putting Henry Rugs at seven because if you're gonna take him above Jerry Judy, Ceedee Lamb, Denzel Mims, Micah Pittman, Ayuk, Jefferson. Higgins, I just um, you gotta be using it right. So they have Waller, they have Renfro, they have Brian Edwards, they have who they just draw or pick up in free agency, pass catch running back Booker. Yep. They have Josh Jacobs, and they have Henry Ruggs. There's a lot of shares to be had. I am still high because they have to use them. They have to, have to. They need a wide receiver one. They can't just willy-nilly throw the ball like it's a Frisbee. Derek Collar is statistically one of the most accurate. doesn't mean that they're slinging first downs. Um, Let's go ahead and break them down with this NFL comparison. 
I had him compared to Darius Hayward Bay. Darius Hayward Bay had an all right career. He was high wide receiver two. He did pretty well with the Steelers. So like Hayward Bay is larger, 6'2", 210. Ruggs is 5'11", 180. So 20 pounds and three inches says a lot. But they had very similar stats and very similar combine results. So Hayward Bay ran a 4.3. Um, Ruggs ran a 4.27. Uh, Hayward Bay had a four, uh, 39 vert. Rugs had a 42 vert. Um, in 2007, compared to Rugs 2019, so Bay, 786 yards, 15.4 average. Uh, Rugs, 746 yards, 18.7 average. So Rugs had seven TDs and a one rushing TD with 37-yard uh, average rushing. Hayward Bay had three TDs, one rushing TD with a 22 average rushing. Um, they're very similar type players, and get this. So round one, pick seven, Darius Hayward Bay. Round one, pick 12, Rugs. What they're picking about for is a very similar style play. The only difference is, is that Hayward Bay had to play with Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> so Ruggs does have a better chance. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, well, um, you, have, you have him a little bit higher than me. The only reason he's lower for me in this, in this format is I don't think they necessarily drafted him to be this big star wide receiver. I think they drafted him because of the little things he does that helps the, his team around him succeed. Um, this is a quote. From, when, when Nick Saban speaks, what do you do? You listen. Anytime that man opens his mouth, all you do is shut up and listen. And he are you said, pulling the quotes? He said, he, this is him talking about Henry Ruggs. Um, he never complains about not getting the ball. He'll do whatever you ask him to do, whether he has to block on a running play or an RPO or whatever it is. What he's talking about is that Ruggs isn't there to be that highlight wide receiver. He's there to win football games. Um, he has a very aggressive mentality. Uh, Saban even said that he came in to every single practice like he was a walk-on, like he had to fight for his job. Um, and that's just – that is a professional athlete mentality. That's, the, that's what's going to help him uh, with longevity in the NFL. He just uses his powers for good. I mean, when he's, when he's setting all that stuff up for his team, that's great. But he's also – he's great at stretching the field. He's so fast. He can get around – NFL cornerbacks and but but even more so he can cut up the middle of the field he can he's a he's a pretty good route runner but he's he's so fast that he's able to create separation and they're just going to eat midfield midfield and then every now and again just like Tyreek Hill not exactly like Tyreek Hill because he's an elite wide receiver Ruggs is going to bust off a big play yeah Ruggs isn't the Tyreek Hill player we said this in our previous podcast over the draft Ruggs is more that guy who across the middle, choice routes, curls, those ins and outs, he takes them for longer. He doesn't track long balls well. He wastes steps to the line. I don't think he's the deep threat that Tyreek Hill is, but I do have an interesting comparison. So you know that Henry Ruggs has got the fastest ever on-field clock speed, 24.3 miles per hour. To put this in retrospect, Diggs got cl- like clocked at 23 miles per hour this offseason Brita set the running back record at 22.3 miles per hour last game or last season. And the fastest ever before that was Tyree kill at 23.2 miles per hour. The guy is fast and there's a lot to be had there and a lot of upside. 
Um, Bucky Brooks might have said it best, though. If a guy has never played the wide receiver one, you shouldn't draft him as such. That means that if he's wide receiver two and he's only seen that volume, it could mean that he's, you know, might be a wear and tear guy. You know, he could not be able to last those long hauls of that wide receiver workload. Um, it's to be seen. Ruggs is up there for his ceiling and for the fact that Nick Saban talked him up. When he says that he's there for run pass options, he's like all about getting the ball and his mental and physical toughness. I believe in Nick Saban. So right now, Ruggs is at unanimously at people's 8.66. We're going to go ahead and leave Ruggs at number nine overall. Yep. All right, let's get on to our next ones. At number eight, I have J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I got J.K. Dobbins a little bit lower. He is 12th for me. Who do you have? Eight? Eight? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me. He's 13th. 13th. Yeah. That's, Scotty, what the fuck? Well, we're not, this isn't Dynasty. We're not, if it was Dynasty rankings, he'd be way up there. But it ain't. I'm talking about this upcoming fantasy season. I don't know that he's the eighth best option out of the rookies. Um, I got Jalen Rager right there at eight. So Mark Ingram goes down. Yeah, okay, then, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. at so, the same time, though. So you, had J- you have Jalen Rager at eight. Yeah, that, but. That's fine. I, it's, it's not even if Mark Ingram, even if Mark Ingram goes down, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are still decent enough backs. I, I get you. I think it'll be a running back by committee. Yep. How many of those touches J.K. Dobbins sees here? I have J.K. And JK Dobbins so high on mine because his stats speak it. Yeah. Like, if, if anything says that I should have put him higher is when we start breaking this guy down, you're going to think, holy shit, should have been number one overall. Yep. Obviously, the draft is different. You got to have scheme fits. You got to fit your team. Mm-hmm. Um if you own a dynasty league, you should own J.K. Dobbins because when we start going through this, you're going to realize that the guy is a chiseled Greek god. <laughs> so my comparison was to Ryan Matthews. Ryan Matthews stands at six foot, two hundred eighteen pounds. J.K. Dobbins five nine, two fifteen. So J.K. Dobbins had a six point seven yard average. Ryan Matthews had a six point six average. In two thousand and nine, he rushed for two uh, nineteen touchdowns. Dobbins ran for 21. And the receiving game, Dobbins had 10.7 average. Ryan Matthews had 11.1 average. Their total scrimmage yards, they had both had 6.4 yard averages. They both had above 40 TDs, Dobbins with 43, Ryan Matthews with 41. Ryan Matthews ran a 4.5, J.K. Dobbins ran a 4.49. They are side-by-side comparisons. Ryan Matthews had a neck injury that kind of removed him from the NFL but other than that, Ryan Matthews was a RB1 and was well, you know, with those Chargers. Yeah. He did very good for himself. I could be. I'm, I most likely am eating my words by having J.K. Dobbins at 13th. I hope you eat them. <coughs> I will. I'll eat them with a bowl of milk. But uh, the best part about the Ravens drafting J.K. Dobbins is they absolutely did not need him. Not whatsoever. Probably the last position they needed to draft they broke the NFL single-season rushing record last year with 3,296 yards, a record that has been held for Did you 41 see what years Harbaugh by New England. and their GM said, though? They knew that they that they didn't need a running back. They yeah. literally just said, holy shit, this guy is right here in the draft. Well, is it, we it, cannot take him. Yeah, Eric DeCosta, the general manager, said, my philosophy is talent wins. 
If you have a running back, who, if you have a running back True. who you think can be a dynamic player for you, and you are a team who loves to run the football, to me it makes too much sense. And he's hit it on the fucking head right there. I mean, it does not hurt to have J.K. Dobbins because he is a phenomenal running back. And you're right. If if something does happen to Mark Ingram, I'm for sure going to eat this. I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for it, but I don't think anything is going to happen to Mark Ingram. Um, I, are you okay? I'm ready to start just listing off numbers and having you guys just get a little half chub. Yeah, or so, dizzy. <laughs> Try not to make him dizzy. In 2016, Dobbins won the opening Nike's football rating title, awarded with the player with the most impressive testing numbers. Before the draft, he got his body fat down to 8%. Mm-hmm. He's extremely hardworking. He's self-analytical. Um, On April 29th, four days after he got drafted, five, sorry, sorry, he said, I feel that loss, that college football playoff game, because we didn't go to the championship. Knowing that this team has a chance, it's extra motivation. I'm back in this situation. I want to finish it. I want me and my teammates to finish it. Let's get this ring. Okay? I'm going to say that because all of his highlight games are major games. 10 out of 14 games in 2019 were 100-plus yard rushing games. In 2018, he had 200 or 620 yards after contact. These were his highlight games versus top-tier teams. 172 rushing yards versus Michigan State number four ranked rush defense. 163 yards versus Wisconsin's top ranked rush defense. 157 against number four rush defense of Penn State. 211 rush yards against number 13 rush defense of Michigan. 172 yards versus Wisconsin's number seven rush defense. 174 versus number nine rush defense of Clemson while averaging 9.7 yards per carry. It's disgusting. Anybody want to guess who the last 55th pick was for the Baltimore Ravens that was a running back in 2008? Ray Rice. Ray Rice. Um, I I just just want to see the same picture of Ray Rice and Ray Lewis, except for I want it to be, you know, uh, J.K. Dobbins and Queen. All I got to say, if we're talking dynasty and you're comparing Dobbins to Rice, I wouldn't draft him. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Dude, just take the stairs. <laughs> God. I, I admit that in 2020, his fantasy upside is capped behind Ingram and in line with Justin Hill and Gus Edwards. But yet, uh, that 2021 cap, I don't think they'll be able to sign Ingram. Um, long-term, Dobbins' ceiling is massive. Dobbins was unanimously rated by the analysts at 6.33. So he's coming in at our number seven overall. Yeah. All right. For number nine, I have Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Jefferson is at 12 for me. Nope. Scotty. Go ahead. All right. Justin Jefferson, I have an NFL comparison of Robert Woods. Um, Justin Jefferson, six foot one, 192. Robert Woods, six foot, 195. Um, they both had 111 receptions coming uh, in their best years in college. Uh, Justin Jefferson beat him by two yards for average catch. Um, Robert Woods had 15 touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had 18. This is uh, the stats you have to pay attention to. Robert Woods had a 4.51. 40, Justin Jefferson, 4.43. Justin Jefferson had a 38 vertical. Robert Woods had a 34. 
The other comparison that everyone else is making is to Greg Jennings, and Greg Jennings also had lesser uh, combine stats. But the reason that we haven't compared to Woods is he's reliable on every presence. Like he's loaded for a crafty route running and superior anticipation. Um, he's known for his slot prowess, but he can play the outside. People are forgetting that. So when he goes to uh, the Vikings, we're going to talk about this for the next two picks. Jalen Rager is about to come up. We'll talk about it a lot there. Scheme fits. Okay. Scheme fits mean points. If you draft somebody to fit a certain position and you know what their role is in the offense, you know what their value is and that they're going to get those yards and touchdowns. Justin Jefferson is the wide receiver too in the Vikings. They're what they wanted Stephon Diggs to be. He can play the outside. He can play the inside. Opposing him is Adam Thielen. They have Kyle Rudolph. They have um, Cooks, Madison. They are going to be throwing the ball and setting up plays I think that this offense is set up right now to run what they would like and to maximize player stats. I, that speaks for Adam Thielen, too. I have Justin Jefferson so high because you know he's going to be a high wide receiver, too. That's where the ball's going besides Adam Thielen. Yeah. The reasons why Justin Jefferson's a little lower for me is um, he is going to be wide receiver, two on that team, which is what he's used to being. He was not the number one wide receiver at LSU, not even close. So... I do believe Justin Jefferson has the best chance out of all of these rookie wide receivers to uh, lead in the class and targets. Um, he's stepping into a vacant spot, which was held by Stefan Diggs. That's where a lot of receptions ended up. Um, and Thielen has struggled with health a lot recently, so he could immediately be the number one option there. The only issue is I don't think he's going to thrive as the number one there because behind him it's – Oh, God, I, oh, I don't even remember his name. Uh, Sharp, oh. Tajay Sharp. Yeah, there you go. That's their third wide receiver. And behind him, we're not even going to get into it. So there's not a lot of depth there in, in, at the wide receiver position. And they play in the NFC North. they got to play the Bears twice a year. they got to play the Packers twice a year. Even the Lions. I mean, even I, the Lions have a decent. I get you. With Justin I just, Coleman um, and Jasmine Trafant. I mean, they also got um, Okuda, you know? Yeah. That is, oh, yeah. Holy shit. That's so, I, I mean, I That's just have him games. high side because last year he wasn't LSU's number one option and he still had 18 touchdowns. Yeah. And when he goes into a scheme fit where he fits right into where they want him, he has a guaranteed workload. I just see that maximizing him stat, his stats yeah. along with everyone else around him. Yeah. He also can play inside and outside. I just see him – the Vikings is where he should have gone to. I'm glad That's where he went. That's why he's higher on my rankings. All right. So – he uh, unanimously overall with everybody that uh, all the analysts was at nine. That falls behind one other man. So he's going to go to 10 for us. Um, uh, you guys ready? We're coming in on our last picks here. So first off we're going to get into is Jalen Rager. Scotty had him at nine. I had him at 10. Um, we'll give you guys the breakdown, and then I'm going to get a little bit more into why Jalen Rager's upside might freak you out. Um, Jalen Rager had a successful college career with some of the worst quarterback play that we saw. He actually, there's a lot of quotes that go around. Him and his quarterback did not get along. Probably because he was not horrible. Well. Max Duger, is that who you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, it, it translated yeah. into some of his play. Um, you got to be level-headed during the NFL, but keep going, Scott. Let me, let me tell you why Jalen Rager was mad at his quarterback so Jalen Rager made a career out of getting open, mm -hmm. getting by dudes for mm -hmm. a touchdown. 
unfortunately, only 61.4% of passes thrown his way were deemed catchable. That ranked yeah. 118th of 120 college wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> so you 50% see, of the balls yep. are catchable. I mean, maybe that's why he's got a highlight reel. Yep. And now we're <laughs> – you want to say something about Fitz? Carson Wentz, he had 4,000 passing yards last year with – a list of just unknowns. No wide receiver over 500 yards. Zach Ertz had all 4,000 yards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, no, I mean this. He he fits. He's. I love him with the Eagles because I hope Alshon Jeffrey and De, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are healthy because that's going to be a really awesome offense if they are. They won't be. That they if they are healthy. That's okay. <laughs> you didn't let me finish. I was just going to say health and Eagles wide receivers don't get along all that well. Jalen Rager is going to be in a great position to, to eat, to eat big plays. He's going to kind of play that Deshaun Jackson role because we know Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson is not on his last leg, man. I don't know. He we had, all love D-Jax. We're had, a D-Jax house here, okay? Don't, I, don't get us wrong. Yeah, what he dropped like 30 points for you his first game last year. Unfortunately, it was his only game, but still, if you started him, you won that game. Dude, he's a year away from a hip replacement. I love you, D-Jax. Yeah, I love you, man. Please sh- give us a shout out. But uh, yeah, no, Jalen Rager is is excellent. He can play every position. He can play wide receiver, running back. He can play quarterback, punt return, kick return. Doesn't matter where you put him too. He's going to move the ball. All right. So I had Jalen Rager as a comparison to Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel's five eleven. Jalen Rager's five eleven. Curtis Samuel's one ninety five. Jalen Rager's two hundred. Jalen ran a four point four seven at the combine. That is not a true speed. That's a horrible time for him. He was expected at 4.2, 4.3-ish. That's where he's usually clocked at. On a pro day, he had an unofficial 4.22. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, Curtis Samuel ran a 4.31. He had a 37-inch vert. Jalen had a 42-inch vert. Get this. Jalen Samuels had a 119 broad. Rager had a 138 broad. 20 more inches. Like, he's a freak athlete. Uh, He averaged 14.7 uh curtis averaged 11.7 uh curtis had seven tds jalen rager had nine jalen rushed for 170 yards at 13.1 average curtis samuel rushed for more for 771 yards but only with an eight average so i think that they're very similar style of players but one obviously has a little bit more of that open field jalen rager has that kind of running back presence if you can catch the ball 10, 15 yards downfield and look into open space and have a vision of a running back, you've got the next fucking step, man. Yeah. Well, Roto World, they have him in the 99th percentile in the burst score, which is combining uh, your vertical and your broad jump. And they say any wide receiver with a rank over 130 is extraordinary. Jalen Rager has a 140.4, which means he's 10 over extraordinary. I mean, to be fair, what this is like a reading is like inertia explosiveness. So from a standstill, like what's your ability to move out of your pocket and how quick? So he clearly can make those right, left jumps, those (laughs) cutbacks. If he's in one spot, no, he's in the other. That's what is so great about him is he gets it done with the ball in his hands. That's what you just want him to have the ball in his hands because he's going to get he's going to make a play out of it. So. Um, so this is a major point. Jalen Rager has the best scheme fit out of anyone who was drafted for an offensive weapon. Okay. They drafted Jalen Hurts. 
They got the transfer for Godwin. They are expanding the field this year. Goodwin, sorry, sorry. They're expanding the field this year. And that pick is one of the picks that they were hoping for. What they're really hoping is that their passes aren't like six to seven yards. They aren't just high reception volumes. They're trying to literally change and make their offense dynamic. They're trying to fit this new NFL. Everyone who's worried about Wentz and Hurts, I wouldn't be. You're going to be seeing new packages that you've never seen before, where they're both on the field, where one's doing a running package, where one's doing a throwing package. I mean, this offense is going to be moving quick, and they're going to be expanding the field like you've never seen before, and Jalen Rager is at the prime to be leading this transition. I would not be surprised if they tried to make him wide receiver one the day he steps into the stadium. And that upside to me might have put him higher. I can't because of some of the players who are before him and what they're just – they bring up a little bit more NFL caliber of talent. But Jalen Rager, when it comes to scheme fit, he got it. And it will be crazy to see if it works out because he will get a high volume of points, a high volume of the share – and I guarantee his yards per catch is going to be downfield. Mm-hmm. He also tears up all defense on all three levels, short, middle, and long. You bet this guy's going to fucking knees. Yeah. I'm so, really excited to see what, what happens when uh, Jalen Hurts takes that starting position in a few years because now we know that there is some some sort of controversy in Eagle. I still uh, think it's to run a particular kind of switch up to change up their offense. I think that the packages will be – in different and extreme, I think that it's a just to literally diversify their offense, yep. but they could be doing that. Yeah, we'll lean more into that when the season starts, maybe come 2021. Yeah, more Carson Wentz long-term concern is what they're also going to be looking at. So um, right here we have Rager with the analyst at 7.83. That puts him at number eight overall. We'll go back over these rankings for you. So these are the based upon the analysts and where we rank them number or unanimously. We have CEH at one, Jonathan Taylor at two, Jerry Judy at three, CD Lamb at four, DeAndre Swift at five, Cam Akers at six, Dobbins at seven, Rager at eight, Ruggs at nine, and Jefferson at ten. We might have varied from those. But overall, across everybody, that's what they land on their platforms. That's how you should value them when you're going into your drafts. All right, Scotty, you got to get to your 10. Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims. I'm high on Denzel Mims. My, uh, it was my favorite player to watch um, out of the wide receivers just because he did some crazy shit, man. He had some crazy catches, and he's so physically gifted, and he's the only wide receiver going into the one spot. That got drafted. He is immediately the number one option for Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, my only thing is I'm really low on Adam Gase. Uh, he's struggled with allowing receivers that he's had to produce. He's had I'm a surprise. Adam Gase is a head coach. I don't know why. I don't know how. Um, but regardless, I think Denzel Mims is physically gifted enough that he's going to make an impact in fantasy, especially in dynasty. We actually picked him up in our dynasty league, and we Woo! are thrilled about it i talked him up i got him over mike pittman no, scotty yeah. might shoot me later for no, that i watch the it. obituaries i doubt it um he's a big play dude and he bully he, he bully he played at baylor i mean they weren't the the best team one thing i like about him is he uh before this this upcoming season he had a or excuse me last season 
he had a career 11.4% drop rate. Uh, last year, he cut that down to 4.3, which is a huge improvement. That showed that he actually, you know, he understood that's where he was he was lacking in his game and he fixed it. Um, he actually, that 4.3% was actually lower than Lamb and Judy. So not only did he fix it from a, a pretty poor rate, he actually became one of the better one of the better receivers in that category. Uh, one thing that sticks out about him is his grit. No matter if that ball's on target or if he's fighting for the ball, uh, a run play designed his way, his only purpose is to do his job. That, that's all he wants to do. He wants to do his job. He wants the ball to move, whether it's in his hands or not. Um, he constantly fights. If you are asking him to run block, he is literally trying to throw his his uh, opponent out of, out of the stadium every play. And he's so big, he does it. He just throws cornerbacks around it. That's it, it, really awesome. And he, he shows up when his team needs him. That showed up a lot on tape. Uh, into in games, uh, you know, late in games, uh, close score, He that's when he came on. That's when he got a lot of his numbers. Um, so just those things right there, his physical attributes, how he shows up late in games, how he he does his job. He doesn't care if he's not catching a pass. If he has to block, he's going to put everything he has into it, just like he's going for a deep ball. So I, I think that's going to help him really excel in the NFL. All right. So I had Denzel Mims down as an honorable mention. He had 12 receiving touchdowns on 66 catches in 2019. He's a massive target. He's 6'3 with a 4.3A40. Those are the kind of things that scream to me like Calvin Johnson, a little bit of that Julio Jones, that um, John Johnson, you know, just those big guys who have elite athleticism who transfer to the NFL because you can't meet them at where the ball is. He needs to work on his like a route so he can expand his route tree. But besides that, like 50-50 balls should be thrown this guy's way. And I'm excited to see what that means for him in the future. Is Sam Darnold and that Jets offense going to be where it's at to make him that style of player? I don't know. That's where I'm out on. But I am high on Denzel Mims. I'm high on his touchdown ability and what the – corner deep ball or what the fade route means in the NFL. Yeah. The only thing that could veer him away from a successful fantasy season is the, the matchups there in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the AFC East. Yeah. Uh, he's got to go up against the bills and the Patriots twice a year. Um, I mean, the bills have Micah Hyde, Tredavious white and Jordan Poyer who combined for 14 interceptions last year. And they picked up Josh Norman who's fading, but still Josh Norman. Dolphins have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, a cornerback. And then the Pats, you know, obviously the Pats. Yeah, Stephon Gilmore, Dante Hightower. Yeah, Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower. Good secondaries. Number one defense last year. So, I mean, I I get what you're saying. That matchup in that conference is hard, and Adam Gase's offense is a fucking deflated balloon. Yep. But being a wide receiver one, having your athleticism and size be second to none inside your, you know, draft – I'm just high on him, man. I just you see those kind of players come in and their body composition and their athleticism take them way further than you thought you would. I just hope he develops a little bit of that footwork and that route so he can expand his tree. Um, we're now into our honorable mentions. We'll, we'll try and make this a little bit quicker. Get through this. Thank you guys for holding with us. Um, my first uh, honorable mention is Lavisca Chanel. Lavisca Chanel obviously dealt with injuries, but you have to look where he comes from. He was with Colorado. He broke down an Oregon team that was supposed was projected to go to the playoffs, he, almost single handedly. He's two hundred twenty seven pounds. 
He's pretty freaking massive. He's got a lot of heart, and he's going to where they're kind of putting together this air raid little bit of offense. D.D. Westbrook, Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Gardner Minshew. Everybody wants to talk down on Gardner Minshew because everybody wants a first-round quarterback pick next year. Gardner Minshew, if you look at statistics over 2019, and half of them is in the top five. Especially for if you look on deeper balls, anything above 15 yards, Gardner Minshew was pretty spectacular. I just see LaVisca Chenault immediately getting playing time, immediately getting shares, and he is kind of a touchdown fiend when he's on the field. We just have to see if he can stay healthy. Yeah, just a few things that stands out about him is his football speed. Um, he doesn't doesn't have a great time, but when he's out on the field, you, you can really see it. He pulls away. The other thing with him, is I think he's a good fit for, for Jacksonville because they're going to be able to use him all over the field, which is what they need. They got, you know, with Leonard Fournette, they just have a straight and forward runner, you know, and then all they have is DJ Chark. They do have C.D. Lamb. Oh, not C.D. Lamb. Uh, D.D. Westbrook. C.D. D.D. Thank you for the... Don't press the button, D.D. Thank you for the awkward look right there. I'm glad you, you helped me out there. He's in a good place over there in Jacksonville. I don't know necessarily about this year, even if I'm wanting to draft him, but in Dynasty Leagues, he's an intriguing later round pickup. Uh, just because of what he's able to do. He's just a good football player. Not necessarily a great wide receiver, great running back, but he's a good football player. He can do it all. So, And he's just a, somebody you want to get the football to. He can eat up the middle of the field, and that's going to allow DJ Chark and DD to kind of eat downfield more. Yeah, expand some of those guys' routes as yep. well. So uh, who do you have for an honorable mention, Scotty? What do you think? Justin Herbert. Taco Fall. Taco <laughs> Fall, no. Um so some of you guys are going to learn about us as we are we're Oregon boys. Yes. We uh, were born and raised in Oregon. Okay. Doesn't uh, mean you can't convince us. Come at yeah. us strong. You can try and throw, oh, you guys have Uncle Phil. Yeah, who cares? He yeah. gives us nice stuff. It's cool. Hell yeah, we have Uncle Phil. Yeah, maybe. Well, who's your uncle? That creepy guy who always watches volleyball practice? No, so Scotty has Justin Herbert. Um, Justin Herbert is just – he's – athletically there he he's a very athletic quarterback he's big and he's calm and he's collected he has he has really good uh sense of pressure in the pocket sometimes he tries to squeeze out throws instead of you know escaping and, and trying to just get some short yardage um and in those situations sometimes he'll throw a, a really questionable ball but besides that the kid has a big arm one thing i love about him is he loves throwing to his running backs and who does he have in in Los Angeles. Oh, that's right. Austin Eckler. Also so, picked him up in our dynasty yes, league. Yes, we did. We love that. Fifth round. Um, I, I don't think he's he's starting. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is, but they drafted the kid that, early. That's fine. That if if fine. you guys look at Justin Herbert, everyone tears him down because he needs development. And it sounds like that's exactly why the Chargers drafted him. They're going into kind of this new transition. They're going to be in a new stadium, kind of weeding out some of these older players like Keenan Allen. Um, they're coming into a new transition of what the Chargers are going to be. And I think they're willing to develop that and take time. They came out this year and they said Justin Herbert's going to sit. That's fine by me. I think that's exceptional. If you look at a lot of the great quarterbacks who have gotten the chance to develop and, you know, not be thrown to the wolves, play at that speed, get chances to read their own defenses. It means the second, third year start, you know, like they're just more primed to make an NFL start. And when you have as many skill sets and the arm that Justin Herbert has and the fact that the kid is exceptionally intelligent, one of the most intelligent people to come out of college into football, right next to Andrew Luck, I just – 
think that that means that they're planning for success two, three years down the road. And that means Herbert. So if that sure. means getting him late in your dynasty round and be, being able to hold on to him, that's fine by me. I would do it. Yeah. So uh, my last honorable mention here, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is almost guaranteed to have that wide receiver two upside um, next to Debo Samuel. Uh, he's got the uh, Pac-12's leading, uh, like, what was it, punt yards, like return average at above 20 yards per return. Um, he's got massive hands. He's just a versatile player. And if you know the 49ers, they're willing to use anyone everywhere. Like, they're going to play three to four running backs this year, and you couldn't tell who's going to be their running back one. They're going to play wide receivers all over the field. If he's a better returner than the next guy, they'll play in that game. So it's more the fact that a versatile man is going to a versatile option who has a versatile future. So, well, I'm I'm out to see what they're looking to do with him, but until I see that, I, I can only imagine it's upside. I am just really, really high because – they came out and said they would have taken him with a 13th round pick. Whew. So they see something. They're going to use him, expect him to be used. Yeah, um, I love him with the 49ers too, especially after they lost Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he, he just has a lot of great opportunity in this offense. Yes. Uh, they are They just don't have a lot of weapons there, and he could just jump into a role where he's – They just need a, a wide receiver yeah, too. Yeah, they, they just need a wide receiver. Uh, he's a big play dude. That's what he did at Arizona. He makes big plays. Um, and that's exactly what the 49ers need right now because they they kind of relied on their run game last year and they did lose one of the, the key factors in Brita to that that kind of Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're, they they're bringing back Jeremy McKinnon. They're pretty high on yep. that. I think that they, they use, should be. I think they, they use be. Brita as a trade value. That's fine with me. Brita's also made a glass. Yep. I've had him in some fantasy years. It sucks when you can start him one week but not the next, yep. especially now that they're in the committee. So um, I'm excited to see where Brandon Ayuk pans out in this offense. He's got all the opportunity because they're going to provide it. Yep. All right. Just last notes, Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gandy-Golden. One of those guys has to pick up the work share over there. Gandy-Golden's like guaranteed a wide receiver two spot, but Antonio Gibson plays the running back, the slot, the wing. One of those guys is going to pick up a lot of the workload and have a lot of points. I don't know which one it is. Um, we'll probably come more with you about those facts. Uh, I just wanted to be able to mention them at the end, make sure that people at least recognize their names before the Redskins start giving them the ball. My only, my last honorable mention is, uh, believe it or not, Jalen Hurts. Okay. There's a little bit of upside there. So he's by no means the best quarterback in this draft. Not even close. The thing is, is Carson Wentz isn't able to be, hasn't been able to stay on the field for his career. And if he gets hurt, say he, Carson Wentz gets hurt, but say Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are healthy and Zach Ertz is healthy and they got Jalen Rager and they got Marquise Goodwin and they got uh, Miles Sanders. I, I he's going to have a saying. lot of weapons, well, man. They, well, and remember maybe, when Dak Prescott came in? It was kind of the same situation. Yeah. It's like, okay, why take Dak Prescott here? And then Dak Prescott came in and he had all the offensive weapons he needed yeah. and the guy hauled ass. And, and he's never turned back since. No. And he's not – Jalen Hurts isn't going to win you a, a league unless you draft Carson Wentz and you don't handcuff him with Jalen. Because if you draft Carson Wentz and he gets hurt, you're just vacant at that position. You Where can't you, just hope he's going to be on the waivers. And it doesn't hurt to have Jalen there. I mean, late, late, you can get him very, depends very Depends on what you're playing and what your league is. Yeah, and sure. standard, you can't handcuff. Like, sure. quarterbacks are coming late. PPR, quarterbacks are coming late. Dynasty, keeper leagues, 
you might be able to get away with it there. So I can see what you're talking about, Scotty. Yeah, he just he could be fun to watch on that offense on that team. So just somebody to keep an eye out on. Yeah, I think that wraps it up for us. Some future notes here. We are going to be doing more giveaways. We just got. We'll just put it out there. We have something Eric Eric Dickerson related, and we'll be giving it away. We'll share how on our Twitter. Um, make sure to follow us at FF Nation 100 Fantasy Football Nation. Uh, DM us with questions. I guarantee we'll answer them on this podcast. You can bet that if you send us a DM, it's a good question that we'll answer you in a short and efficient manner and that we'll put it on this pod. We'll answer it as best as we can. Unless you're a dumbass and you ask me some type of a-hole question, it will be provided. Yeah. And if you're going to throw some shade, we're going to throw some fun shade back. Because it's 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 fantasy football. Everybody's here to have fun. Yeah. Um, we're just happy, whoever you are, you're listening, you're joining us. I just hope you guys take something away from this. We can help you win a fantasy football championship because that's all that matters in this life. You understand? <laughs> all right. So stick around. Our next podcast, we're going to start breaking down divisions and where the fantasy values come out of those. We're going to be bringing in Draft Deluxe. He's got actual statistics, actual numbers, actual projections, not just rankings. He covers his stuff. He's going to help us be better. With that, I'm signing off. Caden's out of here. Scotty Stroud out. Fantasy Football Nation out. But your mother don't pay our bills. I kill a man